When I did turnstiles, uh, the manager at the time was my wife, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, I had moved back to New York from California. It was 1975 to 76. This was after the Street Life album. There was a famous headline when New York City was going to default. Everybody kind of knows these days what the default would have been. Uh, and the New York turned to the feds and said, can you help bail us out? And there's a famous new, Daily News headline. Ford to New York drop dead. And I remember seeing that headline, I was out in LA, and I said, I'm going back, I'm going home. If the city's going down, I'm going down with the city. Uh, so it's, it's a New York City-oriented album. Hi, I'm Lon Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And I'm Paul Lauren. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A, with your friends. And I see them right here this time. Lawn and Dave. Yeah. Wow, how awesome. <laughs> Live in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first of 13 Billy Joel discography album wrap-ups. As you know, Billy Joel A to Z covers every song plus in the Billy Joel Written Songs catalog. Once we've gone through all the lettered songs on one album, we come to these episodes. And today, after 96 songs and 134 podcast episodes, we have wrapped up the album Turnstiles. Turnstiles is Billy Joel's fourth album released on May 19th, 1976 to absolutely no fanfare whatsoever. It has been questioned on whether it even actually released any singles at all. Say Goodbye to Hollywood and James were kind of softly released, but they never went anywhere, so there's really no proof. It's really hard to say. And yet, this is probably every Billy Joel fan's favorite album. Isn't that always the way? Anyway, today, Alon, Paul, and I will be talking about these unbelievable eight songs. Well, seven classics and one dud, but nevertheless... (laughs) Sadness or euphoria. 
So let's get the show on the road and begin by introducing my co-host for the past 134 episodes, Alon Altman. Are you excited, Alon? I am so excited. I can't believe it took us this long to finish one album, right? I, I mean, he's so like good at spreading out. He spreads them all out alphabetically so well that like there is no album that only had songs from A to G. It took us all the way to the end of the S's. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And he obviously did it on purpose because he loves us and knew we were going to do this one day. And now we were hoping it would happen, but he's a busy man. We are honored to have a fantastic musician, huge Billy fan and super cool guy who just released his brand new awesome song that we're all hoping will be that song of the summer. It's entitled Radio Flyer. Calling it the summer of Paul. Mr. Paul Lauren is with us today. So Hello, nice Paul. to be here. Hi, guys. I mean, this is uh, a real treat. Yeah. Oh, he's got the Turnstiles album, the actual vinyl album cover. Remember yeah. these? Incredible, it's sealed. Right? It's sealed. Yeah, I, I could I take it out, but we'll get no, we'll get right. there. Whoa. He's breaking the seal, folks. This is an original <laughs> first edition copy worth four hundred dollars, <laughs> and now it's worth zero. The crazy thing about this, so this is I, I, I treasure this record, right? I treasure turnstiles. I'm really happy to be here. But funny enough, I have a double side one. So when you play this thing, they, they misprinted it. So side two actually doesn't play. It just replays side one all over again. This is a very rare <laughs> turnstiles copy. That's awesome. I mean, when you yeah. bought that, did you buy that years ago? I mean, like in, in the 80s or something? And it is an original pressing. So it is from 1976, uh, judged by this kind of serial number here and the way it's printed. So from what I've heard, there there was a possible release of I've Loved These Days. And that was double sided as well. There was nothing on the B side. If oh, that funny. Was, yeah, there are those kind of copies that it's both sides like that. So apparently, even though Billy Joel was not free and clear, but wasn't working with uh, uh, Artie Rip Jr. Uh, anymore. <laughs> he still got fucked. It's unbelievable. Every That's time they mastered later. <laughs> Every time he wasn't. He didn't sound like a chipmunk, but they uh, they, they did screw him over. It's, so. it's fascinating. They just apparently Columbia and everyone he's ever worked with hates Billy Joel. Liberty us. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like who made the decision to make James the single for this? Like I love James, but if he did say goodbye to Hollywood or uh, pretty much like five other songs in this album, it would have had a better shot, I think. Well, that, that's the question. Who did make those decisions? It's obviously the record company who didn't believe him in whatsoever. I mean, let's get to the the meat of the uh, album in the sense of how it uh, how it was set up. The origin, you might say, of the album. Billy comes back from California, mostly due to President COVID. Gerald Ford. What? Yeah. I thought it was COVID because of COVID, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> he had to go home. Well, he foresaw of... that in Miami 2017. However, President Gerald Ford, as we talked about in New York State of Mind, told New York City to drop dead. And Billy ran into action and said, I got to go back and I got to take care of my peeps and my hometown and write some songs of why New York is so great. I mean, it's possible with writing songs like Summer Highland Falls in New York State of Mind that he saved New York City single handedly. By saying how great New York is, don't just make fun of New York City. There's a whole other part to it as well, you know, and you're just an interim uh, president. So how dare you speak that way? But, uh, you know, the record company 
wanted him to be a singer songwriter. They wanted to surround him with session musicians. And for some reason, even after a, a bad album and, a, you know, Street Life Serenade, he had the gall and the nerve and the balls to say, uh, no, I'm going to do it different. Now, remember, they recorded the album at the, what was the Caribou Studios, right? Yep. And then and then he said, this isn't working for me. He went back to Long Island and he just said, I'm doing it over again. I'm using my boys. I'm using Liberty and the guys and my guys I tour with. And I'm producing the album myself. It, uh, it did, I know this is a stupid metaphor, but it reminds me of Mark Messier. He's a New York Ranger of the hockey team. And he was playing the Devils, which was my team. And I should hate him. But during in the 1994, when they won the Stanley Cup, he, they were down to the Devils. And he told he was the captain of the team. And he goes, listen, you idiots. I am not losing to this team. We're going to win this game. And I'm going to show you how. And then he had a hat trick that night. And they won the game and end up winning the Stanley Cup. This is what Billy Joel had the balls to do. He said, I'm going to produce this album myself. And it sounds great. You even wonder why he even bothered with another producer in the next album. But it sounds terrific. He was right in every choice. And this brings us to possibly the greatest album in Billy Joel's catalog. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Um, it's my favorite, I think. It really is. Paul, what do you think? Is it, is it your top album? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, no, no, no. Th- Paul's top album is an innocent man. We all know. Nice try, Paul. <laughs> but uh, we all know. <laughs> well, this this holds a special place for me. So he so the story was right. He goes to Colorado. He tries to cut it there with Elton John's band. Right? They go yeah. to Caribou Ranch. Right? They do the thing up there. It doesn't work. He comes back to New York. Where does he go? Of course, Long Island. He goes to Hempstead, New York. I grew up in West Hempstead. So oh. this this play this record holds a special place in my heart. It was recorded uh about two to three miles down the road from where I grew up, literally. Oh, that's cool. That's Have you been to cool. that studio? The studio has been defunct since uh the late 70s or early 80s, I think. So there oh, is yeah. no I, more ultrasound. It's probably a Papa John's now. Ultrasonic. Yeah, that's it's that's actually an Arby's, I think. Funny enough. <laughs> it's part of the village <laughs> green. That's where you're talking about hanging out there. But, uh, you know, there's it's more likely that Billy Joel would go there now that it's an Arby's than back when it was a recording studio. <laughs> no, this guy loves be roast beef shack. sandwiches. It would have to be a clam shack well, for him to go. Right. There. Well, I was yeah. talking about the people that hate him, uh, like, the you know, all these people that are mad at him, like the guy who, when he brings out his own clams at the restaurant, you know, the maitre d'. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's your kitty. <laughs> oh, there's my oh, little kitty, Gina. Yeah. You know, everybody who listens to the show loves cats. So is that true? <laughs> It seems that way. Okay. Well, then we have a real problem, don't we? Um, Only attracting the cat, the cat uh, demo out there. Yeah, like, but those are very loyal fans. This is true. Yeah. Cat I like that your floor over there is gray and your cat is gray. So whenever she's walking in that area, it's like camouflage completely. <laughs> hey, we try here, Alon. We try. But I will say on this uh, album, it really is something else with a guy, like we've said, because we just did Street Life Serenader before we did Summer Highland Falls. That the guy really in Streetlight Serenade is phoning it in. He does. I mean, he's made it very clear. He didn't have material. He's got two instrumentals. And then he clearly just said, I'm not ruining this up. This is an opportunity. My next album has to be the one. You know, he didn't know he was going to have the stranger, but he obviously believed in himself. Seriously, I had forgotten he produced this album himself. That's on. That's really taking a risk, especially when Columbia was probably down on him. 
as they were for The Stranger, where they're like, Billy, this album. That's probably why Phil Ramone came in. He probably would have produced his next album himself if this had done well commercially. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, you'd think that he would produce, like, let's say Cold Spring Harbor. That's an easy one to produce. There's not a lot to it. But this album has a lot going on here. There's a lot. There's like orchestration and sound effects and different things like that. Miami 2017, to think that Billy Joel did this himself with no producing experience. You're right. I mean, there's so much going on here. And just it's such a departure from a street life serenade that it, it really is. I, I, I don't I wouldn't feel confident in producing it. I, I don't really know that much about it, but I, <laughs> I'm saying I, I'd be nervous. I, you know, you really have to have the cojones to. Uh, uh, Dave, to, I could see you. I could picture you at the at the mixing console. You know, telling giving people orders, and I could I could dance oh, and I like could, Phil Ramone. I could picture you. Oh, doing I could that. absolutely do that to somebody else's. Okay, but I don't know whether I trust myself <laughs> on my own. That's a lot of decision making. You know, you have to be. You have to know yourself very well. And obviously he did. Obviously, he knew the direction he wanted to go, you know, even using the touring band. And and it's tough to tell your record company label, especially at that time. Paul, you know how things used to be. Mm. They were the end all. They told you what to do. It wasn't like today where you can just, you know, kind of drop a song when you're ready. You know, I mean, you just have to, you know, the the, the group Boston, you just have to think about them and. God, that guy just hated being under the gun. And he's like, nah, I'm taking my time. But it kind of ruined them in many ways. But then they came out blasting. So it was OK. But yeah, to, to make that chance back then off a, a, a not good selling album is a real risk. And it completely paid off. This album is unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you talk about how Street Life Serenade, he had very little material. It seemed like he was kind of pulling at strings there. But here. It's only eight songs. It's actually less songs in that album. It's just eight much more fleshed out songs that feel a lot more substantial. I guess so you true. just felt better about being at home. Let me read you something. Some of these reviews about the album I have in 2015, Ultimate Classic Rock. Uh, they're a website. They rank this album out of all the Billy Joel songs at number three, but they have this wonderful blurb. For casual fans, the two disc greatest hits just about covers the highlights from Billy Joel's most successful and critically acclaimed era. For those with an ear for the deeper cuts, Turnstiles is a treasure trove of buried gold. It's telling that Joel's live album, resurrecting some of his best early work, Songs in the Attic, draws extensively from tunes on Turnstiles. It's the album that precedes Joel's string of commercial blockbusters, and you can hear him feeling out his capabilities, pushing the boundaries of his songwriting and production, building toward the hit-packed powerhouse efforts to come. It's a record full of potential, and ambition. I loved this quote. I thought it made it just all says it all about the album. Yeah, it's it's a muscular record. It, it feels like what what they started to do with the Stranger, which is get this get this amazing touring band in the studio. It's got a lot of grit. It's got a lot of power. You got Liberty finally. And remember, well, I remember that the band wasn't with Billy for like for a long time when they cut turnstiles i think they just came in i think liberty and doug just had come in maybe that year they brought their friend uh as he's credited richard canada into the fold and russell was just overdubbing stuff the original tracks in hempstead were cut with just piano drums and bass no guitar the guitars are all overdubs so it's really? got that real it's got it's a trio this record is based on the sound of a trio and it's got a lot of, I don't know, it's got a lot of bravado. It's got a lot of, makes a lot of strides, you know? I didn't know that. I didn't know it was recorded just by a trio. That's, yeah. you know, like that's what 
Rush does, and they sound like they're a complete <laughs> band. And I didn't realize it was just three guys making all this music. It's very impressive. Yeah, Billy is is channeling Getty Lee, and, and Liberty <laughs> is channeling Neil Burt here for sure. Yeah, you can oh, hear Billy's high pitched voice in all these songs. <laughs> it was always amazing them and the police. Just as these three guys are making all this unbelievable music that sounds like there's so many more people involved. You know, you so really true. have to be uh, really terrific musicians to pull that off and clearly have an ear for that kind of stuff. You know, it's interesting what this guy was talking about in this review is that there are four songs off this album on Songs in the Attic. I believe Songs in the Attic was only done to say you guys had forgotten about turnstiles. Maybe I, 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 I'm, I, I guess everybody seemed to have forgotten what happened before the stranger. I was actually around because I like we talked about yet with that street life serenade. I mean, you got to be kidding me that that's on that. That's not necessary to be on the album. He just had to pull from other things. I mean, I think he would just want to make that album Cold Spring Harbor and turnstiles and say, this is what I've done before. And you guys missed out. And this is what I'm going to do. And but it's mostly from there's four songs off this album on that album. I mean, that's, four, that's, that's half, half, the, the, half the album. Yeah, that he basically did. I mean, if they were all on one side, he basically put an entire side and did it live. And again, again, we thought when we get to Toys in the Attic, we'll tell a, an unbelievable ball to the wall decision. Did you do that on purpose? That's what time? did I say? Oh, Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic. I said that again <laughs> after all this time. Isn't that funny? Um, <laughs> I know. So right, it's been so, months since you've done that. I, I, I'm back to my old ways. Um, I, I was never even doing it on purpose. I can't help myself. I always want to say Toys in the Attic. But anyway, again, a real ball's decision to do a live album of of not your hits and uh, paul we we were asking when we were talking about one of the songs on that album has anyone ever done that before has anyone made an album of live cuts that weren't their standards no not to my knowledge i mean people have put out compilations right of of favorite gems songs that slipped under the radar but not to my knowledge would there have been a live record and what i think is a real shame dave is that the um, all you want to do is dance doesn't make songs in the attic. It's a, it's a terrible, it's a, yeah. it, it's a crying shame, <laughs> but uh, no, not to my knowledge. I think, I think, I think this set a precedent. Maybe I'll do that next year. Maybe I'll put out a <laughs> live record. <laughs> All my favorites. Uh, well, with that being said, why don't we do our rankings? Yeah. And then, uh, and then we'll talk about the placement of the songs on the album. But uh, yeah, Elon, do you want to start or? Should I start? Yeah, I'll go first. I found this to be incredibly hard to do, actually, because I really I feel like five or six of these songs could all be my number one on any given day. And then there's a bit of a drop off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I won't spoil it. I think the number one song, and this is, again, my personal preference and also just for importance and everything else is New York State of Mind. It's the true standard from this album. Uh, Then I would go with Miami 2017 next. Then Summer Highland Falls as that perfect, the perfect mixture of lyrics and piano and melancholy mood. Then Say Goodbye to Hollywood, which always pumps me up. I think it's a great way to start the album and a great song on its own. James, which is a small song, but I really love it. I've Loved These Days, which, uh, you know, it's funny. We were talking about Souvenir as being his like New Year's song, but we forgot that I've Loved These Days is also his New Year's song. Oh, because it's about champagne. Then Angry Young Man, and then uh, in a close final position, All You Want to Do is Dance, <laughs> which I have to say, I think we gave it a really bum rap in that episode. I, I do have it in my head a lot. I kind of like the song. No, no. You're it's mistaken. good. 
I just I'm a, look. I'm a big again. reggae fan. What can I say? I, I love I, authentic I, reggae, and I like that song. I listened to it again just to make sure that I still hated it, and it does not fit on this album. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. I'll do mine, and then Paul will be the real, the real one. That harsh. Know, Dave, that you're so harsh. Work. By the way, to all you want to do is dance. That's so. It's so mean, Dave. So is mean. it? <laughs> it's, it doesn't belong on the album anywhere. Obviously, that's my least favorite song. That is number eight. I'll just start there. <laughs> okay, you go. So my number one song has to be Summer Highland Falls. That's the one for me. That's always been the one. No matter what happens, that song is special. You know, personally and everything and it's just and it is a special song and i didn't even know it was off this album when i first heard it and then it just makes this album again special i didn't know it was on songs in the attic it's such a a different kind of song that i ever heard in my entire life uh obviously you know you can make a case like you said alon new york state of mind probably should be at everybody's number one in the sense of what it is and what it's what it's done and how it still holds up you know, might hold up and like a Cole Porter song, you know, years from now. But for me, Summer Highland Falls, the one. And then I go right into Miami 2017. I mean, that song is just unbelievable. And the live version of that is I, I can't get enough of it lately. Ever since we started this podcast, that's I'm going back to it. And I just I like its message as well. And since COVID, it's even gotten better. And then I go with the one I, I oh, the first time I heard it was when Paul Lauren played it. <laughs> I go with James. <laughs> I I don't know how I missed out on that song. I definitely listened to this album back and forth. I guess I just forgot about it. Maybe when you get older, you just like certain things a little more. But I love James. And then I go Angry Young Man, which I was surprised about because Angry Young Man, until I got older, was my favorite song from this album all through the 80s. I just thought that opening was so spectacular and I'd never heard anything like it before. And that's what this whole album is stuff. I've never heard anything like it before. And that's what makes all these songs special. Then I go with, I've loved these days and then New York state of mind. Cause that's just never been a favorite of mine. I don't know why. And I, I don't care for say goodbye to Hollywood that much. I understand starting the album and I get it and I get what you are, but that's number seven for me. And then of course the dud. <laughs> the dud wow wow so now i'm doing it because i know you guys hate that so. <laughs> gosh uh that all tracks for you dave actually i didn't know that new york state of mind was so low on your on your list but that all that all tracks well he's yeah. from jersey you know how it is yeah <laughs> i am truly yeah. an original jersey boy but i have lived here longer now i think you got a lot of hot takes in this show and uh, a, lot of, a lot of hot takes. Well, I'll say this. Um, why I'm an apologist for all you want to do is dance is because I think the mark of a great song or good song is to take the song out of itself. I don't think Billy probably thought of that song as a reggae version. You know, I think they probably arranged it that way. But if if you want to play that song, you could play it as a ballad. You could play it as a country song. I know you love country, Dave. And uh, you could play that song particularly compared to the rest of the tunes on the record any way you want, you know. Oh, baby. Nothing to do, na, 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 na. You could play it like a drifter song, you know. Oh, baby. Where are the oldies they used to play? You could play like a Benny King song. But that's not fair. 
I mean, now wow. it's now I would wow. change my mind if it was. No, I mean, that do, sounds beautiful. It kind of has an innocent man thing. Why don't the Beatles get back together? Why don't nobody sing of romance? Oh, baby, all you want to do is. You could hear it, dude. It's wow. like Save the Last Dance for Me or something. That blew my mind. You're right. It's an innocent man song. Me too. You just blew our minds <laughs> for sure. It's Benny King. And now I feel bad about making fun of him, but that's not fair because the one on the album, the end of the the way he did it is not my cup of tea. But if he did it like that, I might have a different feeling. I, I think that song's really flexible. And, and actually, if you look at the list of songs on, on this, few you can imagine them out of their production. You can't take Angry Young Man and put that any other way. You can't take Miami 2017 and put that any other way. So I think all you want to do is dance is, is the sleeper here for me. Um, okay, I'm going to start at eight. Is that okay with you guys? I'm going okay, to go with, uh, worst to first. Got I'm going to go worst to first. Love it. Uh, we should probably do that, Alon. What do we we do with the wrong way? To build We're suspense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just like you guys, they're all winners. It's like it's like we're jam packed with winners, but um, I've played these songs a bunch in my life. And maybe this is just based on, you know, how often I play them, how tired I am of hearing them, et cetera. But for now, I'm actually going to go with James's number eight. Sorry, James. Sorry, cousin James. I do have a cousin named James. Uh, and seven would be for me Summer Highland Falls. Ooh. Hot take. I know. Wow. I, I know. This is shocking. There, it's a great composition. There are some words in there. Lyrically, it doesn't work. It doesn't hold up as well to me. There's some words in there that are a little weird. And I think, yeah, maybe even do for a rewrite. Let's talk to Billy and see what he thinks. Uh, seven. Uh, six for me is Angry Young Man Prelude. I don't know. I'm not a big, big kind of prog rock fan. And that, that hits a lot of like... It's the mid seventies. It's bombast. It's it's basically like Spinal Tap. Let's go and and be big and flame shows and all that. And I don't know a lot of energy live, but on the record, it doesn't really cut it for me. So that's mm. six, five. We have say goodbye to Hollywood again. I love all these songs. Hard to rank them here, but four. Uh, where am I at? Miami twenty seventeen is four for me. Mm. I love the songs in the attic version more. There's just like you said, Dave, there's just some energy there. Of course, it's, it's a live song. I think to capture that kind of tune on a record is really tough, but they did. They did a fine job here. Where am I? Number three is New York State of Mind. Number three is New York State of Mind. Two. I'm going two here. All you want to do is dance. Oh, my God. <laughs> Were you thinking that was my number one? Were you getting tense? <laughs> Hot that take. is two for me. Hot take. I love, I don't know, when tomatoes were cheaper. There's some really kind of funny, winky. I love when he's cheeky in his songs. Why don't the Beatles get back together? Wasn't everyone feeling that by 75, 76? And number one for me is I've Loved These Days. Wow. That song could do no wrong. Uh, you know, there it is a champagne song. I, I'd like to think of it as a cocaine song, Alon, but- uh, That's Big Shot. Oh, yeah. That's, guess that's, <laughs> that's my ranking. That's- Unbelievable. I'm so glad you're here today because see, Alon, that's that's a musician's ranking, you know. Like, I mean, it's you like the the deeper cuts, and that's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You know, we're we're just choosing it as people that don't know anything about music. Like you, like you said, you blew our minds with the all you want to do is dance. I guess if I thought about it that way, I'd probably place <laughs> it a little different. Yeah, that's amazing. 
<laughs> I, I love that you love that I've loved these days is the number one. A lot of hot takes here today. I don't think that's a hot take, though. I, it really, besides the all you want to do is dance, I think everything else isn't a hot take because, like we said, these are all so, they're all so strong. It could almost be in, in any order there. There's some days where I think James is my number one. Sometimes I think I've loved these days is my number one. Mm. This whole album is so eclectic and so different. It's like whatever your mood is. And, and I think Billy Joel said that he called it turnstiles because it's like eight different songs, eight different types of music. Yeah, that's so true. Have you guys ranked these according to the other rankings you've done on the show? Like, have you done the Glenn Gamboa ranking? Have you done the fans ranking for all these songs? Where does that all stand up? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Dude, I feel like fans are going to pick uh, either New York State of Mind first or even Summer Highland Falls first, probably, right? Maybe I don't know. You know what? We'll check. We'll have that ready for the wrap up. Okay, good. Cool. Because <laughs> that's a good idea. I Sorry, did I just put you yeah. on the spot well, there? Like, oh, no, that's okay. I, I'm glad you're thinking of a lot of stuff we weren't thinking about. So this is why it's great to have you here. Let alone, nice. it's always great to have you here. You know, you're a great guy. I, I didn't know you moved out of New York. That's kind of bothering me, but I'm going to let it go. Well, he's in his street life serenade phase where he's moving out west, not completely out west, but partially out west. And then uh, eventually you'll be back for your Turnstiles album. Yeah, that's right. I'm playing a little piano bar down the street here in town. And uh, and uh, in three years, I'll be back. Elizabeth Weber, my uh, my girlfriend, will cut a deal with Columbia for another two records. And I'll, oh. well, ironically, it, it wouldn't be such a bad idea. She she didn't do that bad. I mean, I know it ended badly, but it turns out she did a lot of good for Billy, probably that a lot probably it. don't know half of the stuff that she uh, put together or who she slept with to make sure it all happened. Oof. <laughs> Hey, the letto. But uh, let me read you. This is another uh, blurb from Rolling Stone magazine that was uh, talking about turnstiles and how great that. And they just ranked the top 10 Billy Joel albums. I don't know why you just don't do it all. There's not that many, but they ranked this album at number four. At its core, Billy Joel's 1976 turnstiles is a celebration of New York City. He's even posing at the Astor Place subway station on the cover. He cut the album after living in Los Angeles for a few years. He was ready to come home as he made clear on the album opener, say goodbye to Hollywood. Summer Highland Falls is a beautiful ode to a small upstate town, while New York State of Mind remains one of the definitive songs about the city up there with the theme from New York, New York, and Empire State of Mind. The album even ends with a science fiction song about New York in the distant future after the city has been destroyed, though Miami 2017 is really about the resilience of New Yorkers. It's given Joel a great song to sing at benefits for victims of 9-11 and Superstorm Sandy. Again, a good review of Turnstiles, but then, you know, who would review it badly? Yeah, but they don't even mention all you want to do is dance. So I feel like this person didn't even listen to the album. Clearly. Um, oh, by the way, I saw this really interesting interview with Billy Joel where he's it's from 1976 in Australia. He's talking to the press during it because it was this is that was where James really got released and had a little bit of chart success. And he was talking about his influences, Paul McCartney and stuff. And he said, I like the Beatles. I don't want them to get back together. So he said that in this interview, which is the lyrics from All You Want to Do is Dance, which makes me think that this was a thing around the mid 70s where it was like a real square take to be like, oh, I wish the Beatles were back together. That Billy had to really reiterate the fact that he did not want that to happen. Why didn't he want it to happen? It's like he said, they, they, they were great together. They ran their course. They've done plenty enough. Yeah, that's true. And they were making, I mean, they were making some good solo stuff too. This but everybody was the, wanted them to get back together. Yeah, I mean, Lauren, didn't Lauren Michaels offer him a million bucks famously on SNL in the mid-70s? Uh, it wasn't a million. 
it was uh it was something like really low right it was a hundred thousand or something yes. and the only person that showed up was george harrison <laughs> right right and he's like no 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 see the hundred thousand was for all four of you you can't just <laughs> get twenty thousand but i mean uh, yeah. don't you love those guys with their sense of humor i mean it's to make such good music and to be that funny too all of them were that you'd figure george harrison would have no sense of humor i mean that guy's so high you're just assuming and then he comes on snl like that and then and then after that you know uh did, didn't he play with paul simon after that on that episode yeah they did a thing on that episode oh my and, goodness and, and famously also john lennon and paul mccartney were together when they were watching they were watching it as this they, happened. they made a, a a vh1 movie with uh yeah uh, yeah, the guy right. from uh, the Practical Magic. Why do I know? Horrible, horrible Aiden, movie. Aiden Quinn. Aiden Quinn. Like, Aiden Quinn. Yeah. And, and I don't remember who the other guy was, right? Uh, who played Lennon? And they, right? They made a movie about them watching the Saturday Night Live thing. It was ridiculous. Horrible. But that's how iconic it is. You know, uh, uh, like a current event, like or whatever, a pop culture event. Yeah, really. So, did you guys? I just want to kind of sidetrack what we, we talked about. I'm holding the, the vinyl thing here, the, the, the record. And did you know that there's a couple interesting little tidbits on this cover? First of all, just from an observational point of view, if you, if you know this cover intimately, I always thought, because I, I grew up with a cassette tape of it. And only recently did I get the vinyl, but I always thought that Billy was wearing a hat. <laughs> Oh. This is how crazy Billy's perm looks at the time. <laughs> uh, I thought he was wearing like a fedora, but a black fedora. But it's this is actually his hair. Uh, so just FYI, there. Well, we all used to have hair like that uh, back we? in the day. So I, I never thought. <laughs> it was a hat, you know, yeah. So. Dave Jesco had a pretty good perm back then. Also, I had that exact same year. hair and that exact same year. So I didn't for a second think it was a hat, but I. How do you not love the the guys wearing a tie? Amazing, He's so cool. That's so on rock and roll, and yet it was his brand. It was his thing. Yeah, and and interestingly, Billy wanted. I've I've read this that Billy wanted each of the characters on the cover to represent uh, each of the songs. So you got eight people back here. Did you guys know that? So this yeah. is mm-hmm. his stepdaughter, I think. I forget her name. Stepson. Sorry, <laughs> you just misgendered Billy Joel's stepson. <laughs> Paul Lauren, Cancel. what's his name? You're probably going to get to this, but I just think this cover is just fascinating and uh, and just awesome. Just an awesome cover. It's probably it is. It's the, uh, the reason why I it's one of those covers where people probably why vinyl is still so popular. I mean, you know, I tell Alon this all the time and you're a little young, too. But like you said, you had it on cassette. But, you know, when I was young, they only had vinyl and, you know, you would just put the record on and just stare at the cover for hours while while you're you know listening to the album and you needed the tidbits you needed the all those people in there because you you needed to focus even if you didn't know that's what it represented then you needed the back you needed the inside cover to have the the liner notes you know whatever it was whether it's pictures of the band or the um lyrics you know that's all we had (laughs) i feel like an old old man but i mean that's all there was back then. There wasn't you couldn't just play on your phone while you're listening to music. You could just stare. It would be like eating a bowl of cereal and you're just staring at the box. <laughs> so that's all there was to do back then. I feel like I lived in the 1700s. It's amazing you came out the way you did, Dave, really. And <laughs> which and way is that? The exact same way I'm supposed to come out. <laughs> unscathed. But you know, yeah, that is a funny thing. And every time I look at this cover, I hold it. I'm like pinching. I want to zoom in. 
that's how of of this generation I've become. But I want to like, yeah, do oh, it like a phone picture. And just I, I double click it, it to like it. I go do do. <laughs> I want to do that too, though. I want to zoom in on it all the time too, and really get into it. Yeah, you know, see what's happening back there. See if there's a train coming in the back. See what maybe there's a clock says what time they filmed it. I, I I'm with you. I you know you just want to know more. I wish. I mean, I can't even imagine. You know, being there when they're shooting it, it would have been exciting. I wish there was footage of that. You know, when it's something iconic like that, it's so exciting. How it's they funny. found those actors. Yeah. Who, well, besides Sean, his stepson. Yeah. Who are these random uh, <laughs> people? But um, Billy Joel said something about this cover. He was like, "Yeah, it was in an abandoned subway station. They let us use it as a set," which is not true. It's, it's, it was always an active subway station. Yeah, that's an active. I pass it every day. I don't understand what that. What does that mean? Just bad memory from Billy Joel. Oh. You know, what can you say? But it's cool. After like, Scandinavian Skies. Memory right. The heroin really got to him. <laughs> um, it's a good album cover because it's got a lot to see, like you guys are saying. So it's kind of like his version of Sergeant Pepper. Like, I'm going to put a lot of different people in it and people can analyze it. What does this person mean? What does that? Yeah, that's mean? why I guess, you know, like the bridge and Stormfront, he didn't it didn't matter anymore. You didn't need the big album covers like because, uh, you know, then it was on CD. And those are and just then, boring. And then River of Dreams was good again because it was yeah, like that this, was good. Right. Where Christy Brinkley drew what each song was in that picture. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So that's a lot very much like turnstiles in the sense that the album cover is what every song is based on, which is a great idea for an album cover. He's I mean, look at this guy. He produced his own stuff. He came out with an album cover like that with a concept album cover. I just wanted kind of literal uh, representations of what the songs were. There's a there's a couple here in front uh, which represented I've loved these days. There's a grandmother and a grandson here, uh, which was supposed to be Miami 2017, the, telling the story to the grandchildren of what happened in New York. There's a guy uh, with kind of in the background, kind of uh, with his books. That's supposed to be James, I think. Uh, there's a girl with headphones, supposed to be all you want to do is dance. Uh, there's the angry young man all the way in the background, this guy. And uh, I'm trying to think. Who's the guy with the leather jacket who looks real cheesy? I don't know who he was supposed to be. Maybe say goodbye to Hollywood. Yeah, okay. He was really going for it all. He's so masterful. Cool. Masterful, uh, you know, even at that young age, right? It's just amazing to see him excelling at this craft, both uh, envisioning a record like this, executing it, like you said, as a producer, all the arrangements, the band. It's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah, even... Coming up with, uh, you know, which led to uh, Christopher Bonanno's hating it, of course, but even the sound effects in Miami 2017 and stuff like that, th- that is in the original one. Right? I, know, I know it's in the live, but they, they have the siren in the Turnstiles album, right? Yeah. That's a gutsy call, too. You've been listening to part one of the Turnstiles wrap up on Billy Joel A to Z. But let me just tell you, on our next episode, you're going to want to hear part two because you'll get to hear things like this. I've seen the lights go out on Broadway. I saw the Empire State laid low. He's very anticlimactic, that Billy Joel. I mean, <laughs> he puts out a song called Famous Last Words. You'd think that'd be the end. But then he's got he's got Christmas in Fallujah all my life. All my life. <laughs> There's a place in the fridge for the caramel flat to the right of the left of a honey glazed ham. 
<laughs> okay, all right, here we go. See, it's working for me. I'm sitting here going like, good. you know, maybe I better rethink that song. That's all coming up on the next episode of Billy Joel A to Z. From all about soul, way down to Zanzibar, it's still rock and roll, though we don't play no guitar. You rank them high, rank them low, you may be right, big man on Mulberry Street. Here on Billy Joel A to Z.